The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. And I'm Martin. And this is the show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are rotten on Rotten Tomatoes and we reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 2008's The Happening, directed by M. Night Shyamalan, starring Zoe Deschanel, John Leguizamo, and Betty Buckley. The Happening is a 2008 science fiction thriller film co-produced and directed by M. Night Shyamalan. This film currently holds an 18% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? When a deadly airborne virus threatens to wipe out the northeastern United States, teacher Elliot Moore and his wife flee from contaminated cities into the countryside in a fight to discover the truth. Is it terrorism, the accidental release of some toxic military bioweapon, or something even more sinister? Okay, Martin, The Happening. What's your history with this? I saw it on TV. I really, I really, really disliked it the first time I saw it. Okay, as for me, I'd never seen this movie before. Someone did ask me to go see it back in 2008 or whatever, and I said, no way. That was the greatest summer for movies in my entire life, 2008. I saw 10 movies that summer. And it remained untarnished? Untarnished. I loved them all. Every one of those movies that I saw that year, I really liked in that summer. And towards the end, by the time I I, I hit seven or eight, I started getting really choosy. People started asking me, hey, you want to go see The Happening? You want to go see The Incredible Hulk? And I said, no way. I didn't want to ruin my record. And in the end, I I walked away with uh, a crown with 10 gems in it. It was amazing. As for this movie, someone actually spoiled it for me years ago. Well, I mean, I really wish that person didn't tell me what the hell was going on. You're saying like he gave away the plot. He gave away the, the twist. And... It's not much of a twist. It really undermines this movie. It's a shame. I wish it could have gone into this thing fresh. So this movie was uh, recommended to us by Rob. And this is what uh, Rob has to say about this thing. He says, my pick for the next one for you guys to review is The Happening. Now that was a pile of shit on a hot day. I can't disagree with him. (laughs) So thanks, Rob. Uh, That was a very insightful comment. All right. So let me give you a quick history on this movie. In January 2007, Shyamalan submitted a spec script entitled The Green Effect to various studios, but none expressed interest enough to purchase it. The director collected ideas and notes from meetings, returning home to Philadelphia to rewrite it. And finally, 20th Century Fox greenlit the project, now titled The Happening. The film was produced by Shyamalan and Barry Mendel. It was advertised as being M. Night Shyamalan's first R-rated film. Shyamalan describes the film as a paranoia movie from the 1960s on the lines of The Birds and The invasion of the body snatchers. On June 8th, 2008, days before the first few reviews of the film came online, M. Night Shyamalan had this to say to the New York Daily News. We're making an excellent B-movie. That's our goal. The film was nominated for four Razzie Awards, including Worst Picture, Worst Actor, Worst Screenplay, and Worst Director. Okay, Martin, let's do what we always do, and we'll go to these actors and see how you thought they did. Personally, I think it's kind of redundant for this movie since... I'm going to be saying the same thing about every actor. <laughs> every single actor gets the same review. Go ahead. I feel like they were fake acting. Like they were, <laughs> it, like it was a joke on the audience. They're like, come on, everybody. Let's pretend to act. 
It's going to be really over the top, ridiculous, and at the same time, not it's not going to project any emotion to anybody. It, <laughs> there was no acting in this movie. No one was acting. No, that's not true. Oh, the- <laughs> one man acted. He forgot. He didn't get the memo. One he guy- didn't get the memo. This man was a realtor, <laughs> and he was the only real actor. He was introduced by the, you know, goofy uh, military individual in this movie that they meet up with. Okay, that guy's name was Joel De La Fuente. Hey. Hey. Hey, all right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I tip my hat to you, Joel. <laughs> You're the only actor in this movie. <laughs> that was brave enough to act when no one else would. To defy the wishes of M. Night and actually act. Well, that's a really interesting point because you were telling me while we were watching this that there is a, There's a, a theory, theory going, going around on. that since he said that this was trying to be, or he was, he was trying to make a B movie, and that when people were acting, he told them to act or not act in a way, so that it actually comes off in the style of a, of a 1960s B-movie. Yeah, so I guess we'll, as we review this thing, we'll see if it really works or not. I'm just going to paint everybody with the same brush. Mark Wahlberg, Zoe Deschanel, John Leguizamo, junk. Zoe Deschanel, I think she was one of the top offenders. She was poor in this. She perfected the wide-eyed, oh, yeah. matter-of-facto yeah, acting yeah, yeah. style. In Yeah, her eyes here, have never been wider. Yeah, I've never seen her eyes this wide. Yeah, it is terrible. And Mark Wahlberg, I don't, I don't even understand this character that he was supposed to be. Like, it was just bizarre. I think he was going for, like, uh, mentally challenged but charmingly befuddled at the same time. Okay, all right, fine. Yeah, so that's it. Everybody in this movie stunk. Let's just dive into this thing, The Happening. Yeah, so this movie starts off in Central Park. There's all these people running around, milling around, doing their the, the typical stuff you'd see people doing in Central Park, walking their dog, throwing the frisbees or whatever. And these two girls are sitting on a bench, and they're talking to each other, very poorly talking to each other, I might add. All of a sudden, one girl turns around, and she sees that all the people have just stopped moving. They're all just standing still. And, and then-, then one of the uh, notorious actions that signals that something has happened to all these people occurs. A lone individual starts walking backwards. It's very interesting. It's kind of an unsettling image. He, he set up an uncomfortable scene and it made you feel that way. And so, so far, so good. And one of the uh, the girls that's sitting on the bench, he just starts talking gibberish, like repeating the same phrases over and over again. And then she lifts the um, hairpin. The, it's like It's like one of those um, Chinese it looks chopsticks like a, yeah. that, that girls put in their hair and she, it's it's like a steel one and she takes it and she just jams it into her neck and essentially kills herself. And then a- after that, we cut to a construction site further down from Central Park. Got People are just jumping off the rooftop and committing suicide. And-, and then we see that people all over the place are just killing themselves left and right. Very, very interesting. Very cool. There's a lot of intrigue going on. It's like, hmm, what's going on? What is this? The music during the scene specifically added a lot to the overall feeling. I thought it was great. And then this is when we're, we were introduced to Mark Wahlberg and this horrible sequence where he's in his classroom giving his lecture about bees. Right, yeah, he's giving a lecture about bees and the vice principal walks in or the principal walks in. I don't care how quick or intelligent a teacher is, nobody is this fast or this over-the-top I was befuddled during, during, during this sequence. <laughs> yeah, so fast forward beyond past all this crap. So John Leguizamo, is te- he's, a, he's also a teacher. He's a math teacher. He's a math teacher. He's uh, Mark Wahlberg's buddy. This is when they, they, they start to think that, oh, maybe it's a terrorist attack that's happening here. You know, Which is, uh, which is understandable. Okay, that's, it's, it's happening that's in New reasonable. York. Yeah. All right, let's get the hell out of here. So they, they hop on a train and they get out of town. And then there's that famous shot that was in the trailer a million times in, back in 2008 was when they get off the train. Essentially, Mark Wahlberg walks up to this train that has uh, 
it looks like five or six conductors. Yeah. And they're all just kind of standing in a circle trying to figure out what to do next. And he goes, what's going on? You can't keep us in the dark. And he's like, we lost contact. Contact with who? Contact with who? Everyone. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, th- that was in like the trailer a uh, hundred thousand times that year. That was very memorable. Right before that scene happens, people get called on the phone right before they stop the train. And apparently they're all heading out towards Philadelphia to try and get out of New York City because they don't think Philadelphia is going to get hit with a terrorist attack. People start getting informed that the same exact thing is happening in Philadelphia. And they show a very similar scene to what they showed in Central Park. This, however, is also located at a park, but they show really more the streets around it. And they show a cabbie talking to a police officer. The police officer is affected, and all of a sudden he pulls out his gun, shoots himself in the head, and the gun drops. Now you're at street level, and it goes essentially in a in a series where it just follows the gun around from the gun's perspective. I thought that was cool. Yeah, so people just keep walking up, picking up the gun, killing themselves. Walk up, pick up the gun, kill themselves in this endless loop. I guess until the bullets run out. I'm not sure if that was cool or stupid. I'm still on the fence. <laughs> I'm still on the fence on that. I mean, my initial take was like, oh, that's pretty interesting. But in, in retrospect, as I think about it, it's like, as you think about it, it's like, it's comical. Like, it's, it's like, it's like, this is the gun's perspective on death. <laughs> so the train stops and they kick everybody out and they're stuck in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. And this woman has this YouTube video on herself, on her iPhone. She's like, oh my God, look at this. And it shows a, a clip of this guy being comically mauled by a lion. He's like, he just wanders into a lion's den at the zoo and he just starts toying with a lion. And they rip off his arms like it's Mortal Kombat. Like <laughs> it's just, they rip his arms off one by one. And this this scene felt like N Knight was trying to relive his glory days from Signs. That great scene in Signs with the but alien. it didn't it didn't work. No 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 not at all not at all. I guess this is where the R rating came from. This uh, the YouTube scene. Yeah. So but you know at this point so far so good right. It's interesting. You you take the crap acting aside right and just focus on the plot. Pretty interesting. You know, all right. So at this point, we we were introduced to a guy who uh, he owns a nursery filmed with plants. I call him Crazy Plant Man, the bearded plant man. (laughs) And he has a theory as to what's going on with the plants. To him, it's not a theory. It's a fact. And now a dramatic reading. I feel like doing a dramatic reading for this movie is redundant. We might as well just get the clip because as badly as we're going to do it, it's going to be just as It's it's going to be exactly the same. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. We're packing hot dogs for the road. You know, hot dogs get a bad rap. (laughs) They got a cool shape. They got protein. You like hot dogs, right? By the way, I think I know what's causing this. You do? The plants. They can release chemicals. Okay, babies, we are going to be going, but we will be back soon, okay? Oh, plants react to human stimulus. They've proved it in test. You get the mustard, baby. You know, plants have the ability to target specific threats. Tobacco plants, when attacked by Heliothis caterpillars, will send out a chemical attracting wasps to kill just those caterpillars. We don't know how plants attain these abilities. They just evolve very rapidly. Which species is doing it? You think it's true? Plants have the ability to communicate with other species of plants. Trees can communicate with bushes, and bushes with grass, and everything in between. And scene. <laughs> I think you, I think you gave it you gave it too much. Yeah, I like I like started you. I'm like, no, stop, stop, yeah, stop you, acting. <laughs> yeah. So the the, the bearded uh, wacko, his theory is pretty far fetched, or is it? Bum bum bum. 
Because during this, uh, be- before he says this stuff, we are treated to several scenes of the wind ominously blowing through the treetops. <laughs> Grass moving and whistling with, uh, you know, seed pods blowing off of them and like little dandelions go. What, what could possibly be happening? I, I wonder. <laughs> okay, here it is. 47 minutes in, Mark Wahlberg decides that perhaps it's the wind. I was like, oh, okay, okay M. Night. I'm, I was with you. I was with you in the beginning, but uh, just taking a bit of a twist. <laughs> They're trying to escape. They're trying to get the hell out of here. And uh, John Leguizamo, his wife, she took a bus to Princeton, New Jersey from Pennsylvania to try to get somebody, right? To rescue somebody. John Leguizamo, he decides to to do the right thing. And he leaves his uh, daughter with Zoe Deschanel and Mark Which Wall. is absolutely the wrong thing to do, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah, I think so, too. Okay, so John Leguizamo goes to rescue his wife, and they're driving down the street. He's in a Jeep with a bunch of people. You see a bunch of ladders just lined up on the street. Is everybody going apple picking or, or on the street corner? No, the camera pans up, and there's 20 people all hanging from the trees. Up until now, the way that people killed themselves was essentially whatever was in their immediate proximity that would cause damage or fatally wound them, they went for that immediately. And that makes sense to me. And Just it like- does. It makes sense because this is a toxin that's supposed to shut down brain function and essentially make you less functional than you were before. I could see somebody like clawing their own eyes out and killing themselves like that because they had nothing else around them. That makes sense. That but- makes perfect sense. But this is so elaborate. There'd be like synchronous nice suicide guys let's all get our ladders out here essentially there there would be like 20 or 30 steps and it would take probably 30 minutes to set this up <laughs> just to kill yourself i mean i feel like the toxin would have worn off by then yeah yeah so this, this is pretty silly and then then we get an, an ominous shot of the top of the jeep is that there's a hole in in the, and and the, the top of the roof of the jeep is just like flapping around and the wind apparently John Leguizamo figured it out it's the wind the wind is evil and everybody's like oh shut the windows and and close the th-. it's like guys you're breathing oxygen there's no way you're going to get around this and and it's at this scene where like these the people in the car they just kind of resign themselves to their fate i don't know what was going on with this shot but John Leguizamo's jeep it goes from like 0 to 60 in 3 seconds it looks like the frame like skipped i, I think John Leguizamo hit the NOS button. <laughs> And the car just flew into a tree. It looked pretty poor. Bear in mind, John Leguizamo is sitting in the front seat. In the front seat, two people go flying out of the car. Flying out to their desk. If anybody has access to this DVD or to this movie on Netflix, watch this scene because it is weird. It's just weirdly shot. And then John Leguizamo stumbles out of the car. He just, he like, just nothing, like nothing happened. happened. Just like Dennis Hopper in Waterworld. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or the baby in Legion. He just gets up. He's like, all right, that was no big deal. So he just says, you know what? That was enough. I, got, I really got to kill myself. So he picks up a piece of glass. And he goes for an emo suicide. He, yeah, just, he, just, he just starts cutting. His, yeah, he starts cutting. Now we're coming up to one of my favorite parts in this entire movie. From just a, a thematic standpoint, this is just unbelievable. Like, to think that somebody actually sat down and was like, we got to do this. This is going to be amazing. It, it boggles my mind. So Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel and this little girl, they, to a point in like a fork in the road where all the possible avenues are blocked. There's just corpses everywhere. And to go down either road would be death. So all these people, they all converge on this one road and they decide that it's dangerous to stay there. So 
they hop, they get out of their cars, and they go down this giant field on foot. And it's at this point where Mark Wahlberg realizes that, hey, maybe it's the plants. Maybe that lunatic was right. Maybe it is the plants that's killing everybody with their deadly pollen. We have a sequence where the wind starts to blow. Mark Wahlberg is like, oh my God, (laughs) the pollen, let's get out of here. Him and 20 people literally outrun the wind. They're running away from the wind. I'm picturing how this was filmed, and I I feel like there was two big fans. They're on dollies, and there's four guys pushing each one with a generator on a separate one. And they're just running through this field with 20 people ahead of them, like... Yeah, and the, and the grass is, is flying up, and, and they're like, run, 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 run. I've seen people outrun fire. I've seen people outrun water. This, this is ugly. He's outrunning the wind. They realize that it's the size of the groups that are causing the plants to react. So they decide to split up. They go to a model home that has no people in it. Everything's fake. They're in there for a little while, and Mark Wahlberg starts talking to a plant. And now, (laughs) a dramatic reading. Mark Wahlberg notices the plant moving inside the house. They intruded upon, slowly walks up to it, and begins speaking softly to it. Hello, my name is Elliot Moore. Just want to talk in a very positive manner, giving off good vibes. We're just here to use the bathroom, and then we're just going to leave. I hope that's okay. Mark Wahlberg feels the plant. Plastic. I'm talking to a plastic plant. I'm still doing it. (laughs) And scene. (laughs) Was that off the mark? (laughs) No, that was uh, was the most similar dramatic reading I think you've ever done. That's perfect. That's perfect. Note for note. (laughs) Yeah, so there's a Mark Wahlberg talking to a plant scene. And I I guess that was supposed to be for humor. There's a lot of stuff in this movie that I I think was supposed to be comical. And it it just falls horrendously flat on its face. Which means that M. Night Shyamalan failed at making a B movie as well. Ah, hmm. This is probably a good enough time as any to ask you, what do you think of the relationship between Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel as as a screen couple? They don't fit together at all. None whatsoever. There's no chemistry between these two human beings probably off camera. And it shows in the movie. It really was like having two cardboard stand-ups next to each other. Right, yeah. There was none. None at all. No emotion, no feeling, no nothing. I I didn't buy it that they were in love. One of the little side stories in this movie is that uh, we find out that Zoe Deschanel was having an affair with M. Night Shyamalan. The M. Night Shyamalan cameo in this movie is some guy on a cell phone. So Zoe Deschanel had an affair with, uh, like, had a date with him. She she told Mark Wahlberg out of uh, guilt. And so later on in the movie, we have this incredible sequence where Mark Wahlberg... (laughs) Tells her that it's okay by saying this to her. One more dramatic reading. If I were going to die, I want you to know something. I was in the pharmacy a while ago. There was a really good looking pharmacist behind the counter. Really good looking. I went up and asked her where the cough syrup was. I didn't even have a cough and I almost bought it. I'm talking about a completely superfluous bottle of cough syrup, which costs like six bucks. Are you joking? Thank you. (laughs) 
And scene. After they leave this model home, a larger group of people that was probably part of the caravan that showed up to the road is coming towards the house and they have to get out of there because they, Mark Wahlberg has come to the conclusion that if there's enough people, it'll trigger these plants to release this toxin. And it does. And this is where you get one of my favorite deaths. It's where a man activates a sit-down lawnmower and he just lays down and the lawnmower kind of steers itself back at him in a loop and he lays down and the man just gets chopped up by a lawnmower. And I was yeah, like, yeah, that's pretty cool. I was like, this is pretty cool. After this, they run to another house and there's a, this is where like a, this, a movie that's already teetering on the edge just completely grinds to an absolute halt. All action stops completely in this. And then they, they find this insane old woman and, and they have this pointless, absolutely pointless series of events where they're in her house. They're eating dinner. Blah, the blah, girl blah. goes to grab a biscuit and gets her hand slapped. You know, this sequence reminded me a lot of the Tim Robbins sequence from War of the Worlds, yeah. the 2005 yeah, yeah. one. Like, I hated that part and I, I hate this part. Like, it's just like, what why? What does this have to do with the plot? What is going on here? What is this old woman? Why are they doing this? She says, you have to stay for the night now. Mark Wahlberg the next day walks in on a weird doll. A bunch of stuff that don't, it, it doesn't serve any purpose for the plot of this movie. This is something that you would put in a movie, like if you were making a movie that was kind of like misery, like if you're making that style yeah, yeah, of a yeah, thriller, yeah. It, this stuff would be in that, not in this murderous plant movie, you know? Right. Like, it, doesn't, it doesn't belong in here. It just doesn't make any sense. All right, to make a long story short, the old lady dies and then- In a comical fashion, she just <laughs> bashes her head into a house and then bashes through the windows. It was great. Yeah, so then that happened. And then uh, Zoe Deschanel, Mark Wahlberg, they realize that they're in love because they were on the rocks through this whole movie. But then they realize, you know what? We're in love. And they go outside and they hug. This is really interesting how he did this. They're in a like a shed where like cows would have been held and there was a pipe that runs between the house where the main water would be and where it would go into the trough for animals. It was a very panic room. And you could hear them through this pipe that was, you know, this shed was separated from the house by probably about 100 yards of field. I feel like M. Night Shyamalan was trying to like make a metaphor for their relationship with this scene. Heavy-handed, would you say? Very heavy-handed. And I'm like, oh, what are you doing? Stop. Stop. <laughs> Stop, please. You can't even direct an action sequence. Why are you trying to do a romance scene? They realize that, you know what? Maybe we really are in love. Yes, they were in love because they were on the rocks the whole time. They decided to take their chances and they go up to the top side where the pollen is supposedly at its most deadly. Yeah, it's at, it's at its zenith. But they bring the little girl with them because she's going to die anyway. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's going to die for their whatever, for their pleasure. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> gonna die for their pleasure <laughs> what? yeah so they go outside and, and and oh well guess what surprise the party's over you know the the trees have stopped blowing their pollen everywhere and uh they live to see another day what what i don't get about this scene is like the trees are literally blowing like there's a hurricane outside i mean these trees are releasing pollen but i don't think that's going to influence the weather patterns of the area <laughs> it's like <laughs> Hey, didn't you listen to that plant guy? He said that trees can communicate telepathically with yeah, nature. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's communicating with Gaia or whatever. And <laughs> there's like a hurricane in Pennsylvania at this point. We see that Zoe Deschanel and Mark Wahlberg have officially adopted John Leguizamo's daughter. And she was wearing an avatar, the last <laughs> airbender backpack. backpack. That's yeah. amazing. That's the real foreshadowing <laughs> to, to the real crime. That's <laughs> 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 what a twist, M. Night. 
Yeah, and then and then when the movie ends, we see that we find that that uh, Zoe Deschanel is is pregnant. Apparently, Mark Wahlberg knocked her up. I, I find that plants murdering people are far more believable than Mark Wahlberg impregnating Zoe Deschanel in this movie. This character's <laughs> never had sex. <laughs> no way. Yeah. So then, and then, then we find out that the the cycle has begun anew, but in Paris, France. I guess over in the Versailles. I was kind of hoping that like a movie this ridiculous. I was hoping that like since since the plants are killing everybody, why not have uh, the real plot twist where the plant king <laughs> emerges from the cornfield? <laughs> Let this be a war. To all the people of Earth, <laughs> just go all the way, M Night. Just, 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 go, just. What does the Plant King look like? <laughs> it's like a giant turnip. I'm thinking like like a like a scarecrow kind of guy, you know? Like with, really? With, yeah, with like corn stalks. The first the first time you said that, I pictured like a giant tree with like a face <laughs> on it. It's like, let this be a warning. <laughs> The end. The happening. All right, Mart, let's find out what the real critics have to say. An astonishment. So idiotic in conception and inept in execution that after seeing it, one almost wonders whether it was real or imagined. <laughs> Christopher Orr, New Republic. We don't care. It doesn't matter if they live or die. If there's a happy ending or some kind of twist, The Happening is a movie to walk out of, sleep through, or best of all, not bother with. James Bernardinelli, Real Views. And finally, you feel like you're not watching the end of the world, but the end of a career. Ty Burr, Boston Globe. Okay, Martin, this movie currently holds an 18% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it really that bad? Yeah, it is that bad. This is the biggest pile of shit I've seen probably in about, I don't know. We we do this once a week since the whiteout. Probably for me, this is like... <laughs> that was episode four. <laughs> Yeah, well, this, what, yeah, so it's been a couple months. This is the biggest piece of shit in a podcast where we review shitty movies. Okay. Oh, God, this is bad. There's no acting. There's no plot that is discernible as far as realism. And even if it is sci-fi, it doesn't hold up in a way that allows me to think that it could occur in any way, shape, or form. There's no background to it. So it's just, I don't know, this atmospheric piece of crap that's floating around <laughs> in front of my face. As far as the score goes, I'm going to give it a super high hot and juicy one out of five it is bad this is just stay away from this i re- i do not recommend this to anybody it's not fun to watch it's not fun to make fun of it's not fun to talk about this has been like pulling teeth this whole episode okay as for me is it really that bad absolutely yes it's that bad i'm looking back to 2008 when my friend asked me to go see it with him ah wow i've never made a better decision in my life this movie is a piece of shit no one should see this no one actually this whole theory is like is it bad on purpose should you you know whatever go with the flow blah 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 it doesn't work this whole let's make it bad on purpose concept is so hard to do because if you don't do it right you're just gonna end up with a bad movie and that's what happened here a scale of one to five i'm sorry i'm gonna have to give you another one Sorry, M. Knight. Another hot, steamy one. I don't, I don't feel sorry for M. Knight. I feel sorry for anybody that has to watch his movies. You know, an interesting sidebar for all our listeners out there. Go to your local web browsing device and type in www.mnightschool.org. It's a very important charitable organization out there. And their goal is to collect enough money to send M. Night Shyamalan back to film school. <laughs> 
This has got to be the most insulting I thing. I have never seen anything more insulting in my life than this. And the picture that they have is just so funny. <laughs> you got to check it out. They, they currently have $693 pledge. Won't you do a part to help? I, I've I already donated $690. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're the key benefactor. <laughs> Mnightschool.org. So check that out for a laugh. We actually got some voicemails about this movie. I'll play that for you right now. To listen to your messages, press 1. Hey guys, this is Alton, also known as Nito Burrito from Chicago. Hello, this is Lena from Nebraska. Talking about the movie The Happening, my husband and I saw this when it first came out. And we were actually, or at least I was actually excited to see it because it was Shyamalan's first R-rated movie, so it was supposed to be you know, bloody and gory and actually really scary. And in the end, it ended up being completely boring and uninteresting. Even the death scenes themselves, they came off more as hilarious and comical than actually scary or unsettling. I don't really think it's that bad of a movie. Sure, the concept is stupid. Yes, trees are coming to kill us. But you gotta admit, the deaths were awesome. I mean, a guy running into a zoo and getting pounced on by a lion. That is insanity. Getting run over with a lawnmower, for example. That is insanity. And I had a lot of fun watching it. And who does not like Mark Wahlberg running around being hilariously confused and never know what's going on? And then there's Mark Wahlberg's acting in it was just ridiculous as if the director told him okay talk like you're three years old and that you're maybe a little bit slow um it didn't make any sense why the character was talking the way he was then once you find out what was happening in the end what the whole twist was you're kind of like really this is what this was all building up towards so yeah it really was that bad it was completely ridiculous and finally kind of hit the last nail in the coffin as far as my face in Gemlin's directing so and yet we saw Devil. So I was just stopping by to say, hey, it's not that bad of a movie. And um, keep up good work, guys. Bye. End of message. Oh, that was great. Thanks, you guys. <laughs> that was good. By the way, you know, I really want to give a big shout out to all our listeners out there. You guys are really stepping up with the, the voicemails. Yeah, thank they're, you, thank they're, you for they're very in, good. Guys. Keep them coming. Let's read some listener mail. Drea writes in with an extremely difficult question. She says, previously, you guys had mentioned that Joseph Gordon-Levitt was one of the best actors of our generation, and I agree. But now I must know, who do you think is our generation's Dennis Quaid? Now, you posed this question to me last night. I thought that there's no way to give an accurate answer until we're already out of our generation. This is really more of like a zeitgeist kind of problem where you won't know until the generation has already passed. Yeah, so I, I, I kind of crowdsourced this question. I, I, I tossed it out to our Twitter and Facebook friends and see what they thought. And here are some of the responses. Okay, Justin says, Nicolas Cage. Shannon says, Mark Wahlberg. Anthony says, Danny Trejo. Justin says, James Franco. Wesley says, Ben Affleck. Buxomia says, Channing Tatum. Ryan says, I don't know if there is an answer because any actor of our generation hasn't had the chance to rack up the kind of filmography that Dennis Quaid has. Maybe in five more years, we could have an answer. I think his co-star in Pandorum, Ben Foster, has potential. I agree with him. That is probably the best answer we've gotten, and I'm, I'm on board with that one. Our very own Kevin, he says, tough Quaid question the best it can come up with. <laughs> the tough Quaid question. 
The best I can come up with might be Mark Wahlberg. Deadpan delivery, no emotional range, but still enjoyable to watch for most people. And finally, I think Justin has the best possible answer. Justin says, when a man is as amazing as the Quadinator, he transcends all generations and time. (laughs) (laughs) What is he like flying through space? (laughs) All right, great job, Justin. You you, you did it again. Thanks for those emails, guys. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at yesthatbad at gmail.com. Let's see. Let's check out some of the answers to the question of the week. And the question of the week was, what were some movies that you really hated in the past, but you like them now? And Lena says, when I saw Napoleon Dynamite for the first time, I did not like it at all. I thought it was so dumb. I did not understand why other people thought this was so funny. But when I watched it again, realizing that this movie was in fact about nothing, I was able to enjoy all the absurd situations in the movie and I actually laughed and had a good time. I now own the movie. This was the movie that broke the Netflix algorithm, right? Yeah, for people who don't know, Netflix had a bounty out there for a while. They would give like $10 million or something to anybody who could improve their algorithm for recommending movies to people. But they had something that was called the Napoleon Dynamite problem because this movie was such an outlier. Like it was almost 50% split. One or five. Yeah, it was was like either, either everybody hated it with ones or everybody loved it with fives. And there was no predictable pattern that you could recommend movies to because it was across the board. Someone who liked horror movies or somebody who liked this type of movies might have gave it a five or a one, half or half. There's just no way, like, how do you recommend Napoleon Dynamite to somebody? It was was impossible, so it just, like, broke all the algorithms. Okay, so Josh from Tulsa writes in and he says, the first time I watched Boogie Nights, I hated it. I think after I saw Hard 8, P.C. Anderson's first movie, I was expecting a serious drama. I just didn't get it. About a year later, after all my friends quoted the movie ceaselessly or broke into a chorus of The Touch, I watched it again to figure out why I hated it so much. A brief way into it, I realized this movie is very funny. Whether that was the original intention or not, it's a pretty good comedy. Now I really like Boogie Nights. All right, and Anonymous writes in and says, I used to hate Titanic. I still don't like the story, but now I appreciate how much of a technical masterpiece the film is. And finally, John says, True Romance. When I first saw it, I thought it was really stupid and very racist. But I watched it years later and thought it was cool, funny, and just out there. Not sure what made me change my mind, but I did. But I still think Tarantino is a serious douche and would love to kick his ass one day. What? (laughs) (laughs) All right, okay. All right, I guess you're entitled to that opinion. As for this week's question of the week, the twist to the happening was disappointing to say the least. Plants were killing people. I thought it was just asinine. Yeah, okay. Completely asinine. Okay, so can you guys come up with another movie that has an equally stupid plot twist? If so, head on over to yesthatbad.com and leave a comment on this episode's page with your answer. Okay, now's the time to announce the winners of the viewer's choice poll. And the choices were The Wicker Man versus Next. And the winner is... The Wicker Man. Oh, great, great, great. So, have you ever seen this thing? Yes, I have. And I'm <laughs> excited to see Nicolas Cage get stung by bees. Yeah, all right. I've, I've never seen it, so it's going to be exciting for me to finally sick my teeth into this thing. My parents saw it first. They saw it in the theater, and they came back. And I remember my mom's disappointed face as she walked through the door. I was like, Ma, that was a wicker man. She's like, oh, it was so horrible. <laughs> oh, great. I guess that's what we have to look forward to. 
And if you've seen The Wicker Man, please leave us a voicemail review at 973-797-9324. This call is free to anyone in the continental United States. Oh yeah, one last thing before we go. We're taking off next week for the 4th of July, so there's probably not going to be a new episode. So we'll review The Wicker Man once we get back from vacation. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing to the show. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. Please help us spread the word about the show by liking us on Facebook and talking about us on Twitter. And you can do both of those things from yeahitsthatbad.com. Once again, thanks for listening to the show. To listen to your messages, press 1. Hey, I'm walking here. Right off this building. Look, I don't know if you guys have heard about this article in the New York Times about honeybees vanishing, but it's not nearly as alarming as the fact that I, Marky Mark, have been entrusted to be your teacher. Marky, it's your wife, Suita Chanel, and I am upset. I am so scared. Can't you tell by how white my eyes are getting right now? It's your best friend, John Leguizamo. I'm not white, so you know I'm not getting through this, right? Oh, Marty, it's me. Mr. Ed? No, the tree. I'm going to kill you. No punch in the world can save you now, no matter how funky. Oh, I need a second to think. Wait, what if I just hold grab that axe? The happening. Dun-dun. Message erased. End of new messages.